teams we're all watching the, the teams progressing and they are building too for for the World Cup they're testing out new players and you know this this is a great testing that they are for them and in you know we have to be um, up up for it and you know I, I this emerging talent that is going to be brought to uh, South Africa. We don't know the players yet. Now we'd be always hoping that Jack would be selected to go on it, um, where you know nobody knows uh, uh, what Andy Farrell and that there is thinking. Uh, Jack is a consistent performer for for Connacht, and we we just only hope that a, a number of, uh, of Connacht players will get into that particular squad and uh, progress to the the senior team for the World Cup. That's it. Well, listen, thanks very much for taking the time out to do uh, to do uh, rugby view with us this week, and we look forward to doing it over next week. And, uh, of course, maybe next week as well, we might we might touch on the, the Ireland ladies team as well. So thanks very much for your time. Thank you very much, Aidan. No problem. Thanks very much. And that was Adrian Liddy from Craig's Rugby Club. Hey, Donny, you're very welcome to this week's Formula One view. Myself, Aidan Raftery, and the show's is always kindly sponsored by... Best drive here in Roscommon Town, and now it is time for Formula One view with myself and, and uh, the one and only Michael O'Grady. Hello, Michael. How are you? Are you well? Not too bad. Well, I well I could complain, but nobody listens. You know yourself, especially yourself. You never listen. <laughs> Unless you're offering me money, then I listen. Well, I think uh, I listen to myself in that case too. I listen to anybody for money. You know, it's okay. Well, with it, Listen, uh, yeah. So this week, this week we're uh, we're, we're covering the the Dutch Grand Prix. Yeah, in we're yeah, we're looking back and we're looking forwards actually because they've done a race back to back again. Of course, uh, last weekend we had the old Belgian Grand Prix, um, yeah. which was quite an interesting, if if a bit of a disaster of a situation. Um, and Ferrari were really caught in the back foot. I, I, I'm even looking back here at um, qualify or free practice three. And, you know, you had Carlos Sainz in third place. And, you know, you had to look right down before you got back to Charles Leclerc, who mm. kind of needs to be pulling it out a bit, I have to admit. But um, he did say, Charles afterwards did say, the Red Bulls are way too fast. Um, nobody's yeah. going to catch them. And to be honest with you, that is just... You know, it's not what you expect. <laughs> you know, when you hear things like that with the quality, with the with the other team in Ferrari, of course, it's not exactly you know what you'd expect with these things. But in qualifying uh, again, Max Verstappen absolutely ran away with qualifying. Now, fortunately, he did get a penalty, which kicked him all the way back down to 14th. But he was fastest in practice. Carlos Sainz did a great job of splitting the two Red Bulls. Um, to be right in the middle in two. And Charles Leclerc got up the fourth, which was nice to see, and in fifth place with Esteban Ocon. Now, that said, the race was a little bit nuts. <laughs> it's about the best way uh, to put it. Sometimes, you know, but... Uh, it, it was just a little crazy. Yeah. Car well, required on, on a number of occasions, considering what you just said. Yeah, well, you know yourself, I have to admit, it's it, on the start of the race, Max may have started in 14th, but no one told Max, you know, you have to be careful of other drivers because, you know, on his first lap, he jumped all the way up to 8th. Now, he went on the soft compound tyre, something that I thought was a bit, would have been a bit of a gamble, but I suppose he was in 14th, so it was less of a gamble. And, um, and it's, a bit, it's a bit like you and Paul Egan on the M50 on a Friday evening. 
Oh, absolutely. Same, same thing. You know yourself. <laughs> but um, Charles de Clare was the same. He had a penalty and he had jumped up to 10th place by the end of that one. But I mean, you don't expect, you know, the two, the two main title contenders to be that far back. But of course, yes, there was a collision on uh, lap two and a safety car. His birthday boy, yes, it was his birthday, Valtteri Bottas uh, spun out, uh, out of control, basically, uh, sort of keeping away from Nicholas Latifi who himself seemed to be avoiding Esteban Ocon. Now, now even before that, before that particular one which I missed, of course um, Lewis Hamilton was behind um, Fernando Alonso. Now we know the two of them have a bit of a torrid relationship. You know, they get on at the yeah, best they of times. They hide it well. Absolutely. They absolutely love the sight of each other, providing one of them has uh, been bludgeoned or something like, you know. They really do get on very, very well. And, well, let's just say Lewis tried to pull an overtake on Fernando. And, of course, Fernando is in front. He perfectly legally drives where he wants to drive. Um, and Hamilton was having none of this. And basically, he tried to squeeze Alonso out, and Alonso said, I'm not going anywhere. And it was a bit of a contact, and that was first lap. Goodbye, Lewis Hamilton. I'm afraid your race is over. Um, it wasn't smart looking at it. It really wasn't. He was never going to get by him. He should have just went right okay and followed behind him and then took him, you know, further on on the lap. But um, I don't know. Was the Alonso was supposed to have had to... Uh... Um, from from what the news is, he had to apologise for certain comments that Alonso had to apologise for certain comments that were made uh, about uh, stupid comments about about uh, Lewis Hamilton as well. Yeah, he went a bit overboard as usual. I mean, it's fair enough to say, you know, what was he doing? Oh my God, that was fair enough because it was. To be honest with you, looking at it myself, it was a stupid move. Um, it it was going to end in tears, and I'm surprised the two one of them stayed on the track. I'm surprised the two of them went off the track. But Alonso, you know, the hatred between the two of them, it could be the reason why Lewis pushed himself beyond what was capable. Um, yeah, but even though the two of them don't get on, though, you, you still have to think of uh, 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 other drivers' safety. Oh, <laughs> you know, um, so that, that was a bit, uh, would it be fair to say, unprofessional, uh, you know, to... to um, well, uh, to a certain extent of uh, of both right, well, more so I suppose Hamilton than than for than uh, Alonso, but well, still, was, I I suppose it was it was a bit of a push me shove you. Oh yeah, says who sort of situation? Because yes, mm. Lewis shouldn't have done it. I don't think he should. I think it was it, it could have worked, but I'd say the odds were massively in favour of it not working. And then, of course, that happens and Alonso goes ballistic and goes over the top. <laughs> you know? So yeah. it's a silly move by one. Personally, if I was the team manager, I'd be looking at him going, what in the name of Jesus are you thinking and doing? And it's all spurred on by this absolute wonderful friendship they don't have because I think Lewis was annoyed that Fernando was in front of him and under no circumstances did he want him there and he kind of wanted to pull one on him and say hey I'm better than you and then of yeah, course when it not- didn't work out Fernando kicks back the other way you know and it just yeah, it just got out of hand. It was a bit silly, really, to be. Could, quite he, could he not have done? Could Lewis not have done it differently? Done, done something different rather than what he did. He should have stayed behind him. 
He didn't want to, but he shouldn't, because he would have taken the Alpine. There's, there's no question. Given a lap or two, he'd have been past Alonso, because the Alpine is quick. But, I mean, you know, if you're on top of him, you get DRS. The Mercedes loves its DRS. It'll go shooting past him. So, yes, he was being a bit rash and probably overly aggressive because he would, would you say he was covered, Would you say to a certain extent it might have been maybe he was worried about his lap time or the, the, the times and that's why he was a bit irrational? Well, I think he said he, he had a shot at, at you know, uh, of being right up there. He really didn't. I mean, it, it was a state-of-the-art race for Max Verstappen. He caught up, you know, from la- from 14th to way up the first in no time at all. My God, it just so fast you wouldn't believe. He's that quick on the track. That car was incredibly fast. No one was beating him. And Sainz was way ahead, so he was going to be second or third. As it was, yeah, Perez wasn't as fast as Max, but that car was just chain lightning. So I'd say the best Lewis could have hoped for was Ford with Fernando Alonso annoying them the whole way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and everyone expected Leclerc to come up, but they just had pain after pain. I was so disappointed because you know, Ferrari have this car that can win races. Okay, now there was absolutely no con, con, the no competition in Belgium. It wasn't going to happen. Red Bull were going to win it. End the story. Um, but you know they have this car that's great, and they keep making bad call after bad call. Uh, I mean, as it was, they called them in a couple of laps in the end, um, which meant Alonso went past them because they wanted to get in the fastest lap. But Alonso wasn't supposed to get by him, but did. And then, of course, he ended up fighting with Alonso, which means he couldn't get fastest lap. And then going out of the pit, uh, going into the pit lane to get the tyres on in order to keep out from Alonso, he was speeding for a split second. So then he lost five seconds and then Alonso was ahead of him. Where if he had stayed out, you know, he'd have been further up and got a few more points. I, I have to, I don't know who's making the calls in Ferrari at the moment. And they would be my number one team. Um, but I, I, I think somebody needs, <laughs> somebody yeah. needs a good slap. <laughs> and uh, I suppose looking at the race, was it, would you say that it was a tactical race? Is it a race that you felt went more or less as you expected? Um, I suppose tyres were tyres, um, what were the tyres? Was it more or less uh, the right call tyre-wise? Just kind of all those points, what are your thoughts on it? I, I I think the race, I think the primary race was just driven by um, two two drivers in the same team and they were just outstanding. I mean, the car was just so fast. I don't I don't even think Max was, was, was taxed. I think he was just texting someone as he was going around because the car was just that quick. I mean, he went in at one stage there, um, lap 15. He had 13.8 seconds over signs. Now, put, bearing in mind three of those laps were under a safety car. He had 13.8 seconds of a lead, entered the pits and came out 4.6 seconds behind him on new tyres. Sainz did not have a chance. He was so, so fast. And Perez, not as fast as Max, but still fast. Now, all hands on, I have to admit, Carlos Sainz, damage limitation for Ferrari. They should be very proud of that man. He did an incredibly good job. Um, he really did to end up where he was. Uh, I think I think he did a great job. But it's just, again, 
you know, it's not Carlos Sainz that you need to win or to be third. It's Charles Leclerc you need to be third because, yes, Max can still be caught, but, you know, that little window of opportunity is getting less and less and less. He wins a few more races and his game over. <laughs> you know, yeah. he's got to be world champion and that's it, you know. And uh, Ferrari need to be fighting back better and they need to be stopping making these these stupid calls <laughs> I don't know I don't know what it's all about to be honest with you you know um, I, I, I do love Max though a quote he had at the end of the race there after he got by everybody he said once we were in the lead it was all about managing everything managing yeah. everything he was gone <laughs> you know it, it was like it was like Paul Egan driving a Ferrari and, and <laughs> a, 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 a me driving a, a, a Morris Minor like you know what I mean he was just gone absolutely shockingly gone uh, you know it was just incredible and I have to admit as well I, I want to tip my hat off to George Russell who came in fourth you know very very good performance by George I have to admit he was pretty close to Carlos Sainz in the end but again that man is hitting way above the station he really is George Russell is a man and a half now I have to admit in the Mercedes he's really doing a good job and of course Fernando is, it, is, it time, is it about time maybe he got the respect he deserves from the performances that he's putting in at the moment well I think at this stage uh, Mercedes need to be standing back and saying Lewis I know you're the number one driver well currently George is ahead of you we need to be getting George you know what I mean so i.e. if he's ahead of George he lets George buy it needs to start going into that if he's if they're going to get a car up there yeah Lewis is more than capable but he just George Russell's just shone I I don't know where he's come out of I don't think anybody expected this I mean Lewis has had a couple of unlucky races but in fairness you know George has beaten him on on a level playing field more than he hasn't you know, so I mean, it's an unusual situation, and of course, if if um, Hamilton is behind George, uh, you know, George is going to be told to move over. So I think at this stage, George is just so way ahead of him. Another twelve points ahead of him now. You just you have to say sorry, Lewis. You're going to have to get out of the way if George comes behind you. Um, it's just the way it is. It was like the year Michael Schumacher crashed and he couldn't win the championship, but his teammate could. And as Felipe Massa said, he's never had a wingman as good as Michael Schumacher because Schumacher went, I can't win, you can, I'm behind you. You know, And he, and, and he did a great job. That's what Lewis has to do, but I, I don't think Lewis is... I, I don't think he wants to do that. He just doesn't, doesn't want to do it. He sees the win, he sees the win, and he sees the win. You know, Even if it means that his teammate might get third and if he wins every race he'll get fourth you know he doesn't I, I don't know what the team try and get you to and get him to do what you want him to do <laughs> that's it and I mean uh, look it's a sportsman in the, yeah like I mean any sportsman it's you just want to win if you see it's like if you're a hurler coming in on goal all you just see is the goal and your chance to score and you're going to go for the goal even if there's a fella in a better position if if it means winning the match and you have the chance of getting the goal to win the game that that's nothing else comes into your mind you, you're just focused on that yeah but, that's very true but you need to be a team player you know yourself if there's a guy on, on unmarked and you think you can get the goal he's unmarked pass it to him you know what I mean yeah. pass it to him but it, it, it's easy for us to say really I suppose yeah. to a certain extent it's, it's not as easy when you're pulling four and four and five times uh, gravity going around the corner at high speed you know it's not so easy 
Jen, as to say. I, I was a bit disappointed in the race, actually, for Haas, because, you know, they, they were doing so well for such a long time, and now they're like 16th and 17th. The only person behind them was Nicholas Latifi, and, of course, uh, Bottas and Hamilton didn't finish. But um, I, I kind of disappointed they were showing so much promise there for a while and and even Mick Schumacher was coming up for a while and it's all gone a bit pear-shaped again um you know but I mean <laughs> that's the way it goes I suppose you know uh, our, our top three of course was Verstappen, Perez and Sainz after that was Russell and Alonso and Leclerc managed the sixth fifth would have been better because he'd have got two more points but there there you go Sebastian Vettel had a very solid race at eighth but I definitely think Fernando Alonso could be a good replacement for Sebastian but uh, I mean that Alpine that, that Alonso is in I, I, I don't know I think he's a braver man than I'd be <laughs> I think yeah. I'd have said put you know I really do think I'd say put personally but you know um, Fernando is Fernando we can't really argue with him he is a he, he, he's a class act just to say you know yourself yeah. I'm, I'm moving on now to this weekend of course we've the Netherlands um, Sandavos which is a great little race and of course oh he'll be biting his nails he'll be doing all sorts of things because of course this is um, Max Verstappen's home race so. And looking at the looking at the track there as well, there are a few dangerous bends. There, I was just counting seven bends where you would have to have you you, you wouldn't want to be uh, you you wouldn't want to be nodding off to sleep now or, or, or on focus. <laughs> there are bends there that you would really have to be on the ball. Oh, um, if you're looking at it, you probably know the ones I'm on about. Similar, I think, from from looking at the Belgian uh, the the one in Belgium. Kind yeah. of similar in many ways. What are your thoughts? Similar, a bit of a faster track, if you ask me, which is going to suit Red Bull right down to the ground. And actually, I think Carlos Sainz even said this: this Netherlands is going to suit Red Bull totally. Um, yeah. I, I do agree with you with the corners. I think the one, I mean, turn eleven at the end of the DRS. That's a that's a really bad one. But what's going to be really interesting is after that twelve thirteen because you're going to lead yourself into the DRS zone. Um, yeah. literally after turn 13 and it is long it goes past turn 14 and all the way down to the first corner it is a long DRS zone if you're on top of the guy by the end of lap 13 you've got him with distance because of course once you get by him the DRS stays open zone, so it's not going to shut down when you go past them so you know, even in situations where, like well, like we've seen before with um, uh, Verstappen and Leclerc, you know, one or the other, one guy mightn't want to take the other guy in the DRS zone and the first zone because, you know, they know the second zone is so good that you're going to lose the place. So mm. we could see that sort of situation again, definitely. But I do see what you mean, yeah. Turn one is going to be... I think the worst two corners on it is 11 and 1, and, and both of them, of course, are on the end of DRS zones. That's, that's a clever situation, but we won't, we won't go into that. The lap and record is... Um, Time-wise, um, how do you... Because of the track, how do you think, I suppose, it'll A, affect um, the qualifying times, and B, the race, on itself, uh, the race itself on the day? Well, uh, this lap record is by Lewis Hamilton last year at a one eleven practically dead. Uh, you're not going to see that this year. You're going to see maybe 
113, I reckon, would not be far off pole position and would be fastest lap on the day. I can't really see anything better than that. And on the track itself, I, I, I mean, the way it's done and given us Max Verstappen's home race, yeah, you can guarantee Max Verstappen's going to win this, even if he starts from 14th. Uh, actually, the last race, the Belgian Grand Prix, something that just hit me, going from 14th to 1st like that, the only other person that has done that and you have to go back a bit of time, is Fangio. There's a man now you want to be with, one of the greatest racing drivers of all time. So there you go. So Max can do it definitely here as well. It's definitely a, a, a Red Bull track. I would be massively surprised if Perez isn't in second place after qualifying. And at the end of the race, with the two Ferraris providing no one makes a city call, um, in third and fourth, which is not going to help Charles Leclerc in the least. I cannot see him getting past um, Max Verstappen under any circumstances. Max is just that. Ca- I don't know what they've done with it. It's like it's like they've turned the volume of the amplifier from ten up to eleven. <laughs> you remember that, Philip? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's like what they've done. They've turned the car up to eleven, and they've turned Max up to from twenty up to twenty-five because uh, you know Max. He doesn't give a hundred percent. He gives a hundred and fifty. Um, and that's what I can see. I can see Max 1, I can see Checo 2, I can see Leclerc 3 and Sainz 4. Although you never know. Maybe George Russell behind that again. That'd be good. And that's, look, looking at tyres now, what are the what tyre selection are the teams going to go for, do you think? Uh, taking in mind, the, 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 as I just said there, the uh, the shape of the track or, or you know the map of the track, it's going to be very interesting. Tyre selection could, uh, could decide this. Um, who do you, who do you think? Um, well, I suppose they could all do have different tires depending on the, I suppose the strengths and weaknesses of of each car. But uh, I know there wouldn't be that much in it. Yeah, I, I I I I do know what you're saying. What's very curious at the moment, I've noticed is, of course, we've um, we we currently, as we're speaking, um, have free practice one on. And what what I noticed about it is like, um, you know, currently fastest is George Russell with Lewis Hamilton second. That sounds, you know, whoa, the Mercedes are up there, but the man behind him is Carlos Sainz now. Russell and Hamilton are on soft tyres. Carlos Sainz is on hard tyres and he is not that far behind them. Um, you'd wonder what he can do like on medium tyres and on soft tyres. And, and it's the same with um, Max Verstappen came out very briefly on hard tyres. Um, he's 19th, but I mean, he came out briefly on hard tyres and he's gone back in again. So um, it's, it's only a matter of time, I think, before before he comes he comes out and does something pretty spectacular and on Max. But I, I'm waiting to see what happens when Carlos Sainz switches to medium tyres or soft tyres. Uh, and we'll see what's going on there and see what's happening. But it is practice. Um, you know, it doesn't always end up the race is going to be that way. In fact, it's definitely not because you've uh, Lando Norris and Danny Ricciardo both ahead of Charles Leclerc at the minute, which isn't going to happen. Strategy-wise, Michael, what are your thoughts? Strategy-wise, this is going to be bonkers because, of course, strategy, the last race went totally sideways. Um, I, I would have went medium, medium and soft for a big blast at the end, you know, or else medium and then soft for a big blast and then a long one at the end on the medium tyres. But, of course... Max Verstappen went and threw caution to the wind and went on soft tyres. He wasn't the only one. There was another one's car as well. I can't remember who. And he blasted by 
everybody just gone uh, in middle of next week sort of thing you know just it really worked out so well for him so I think there's going to be a lot of scratching of heads here I'd still expect the top seven or eight to go on medium tyres um, but really if, if if Max or Charles was doing a great job too only for stupid calls and that um, if, if they're back a bit they'll go on to soft tyres and we, we don't know what's going to happen but I'm, I'm going to say medium medium soft um, for main teams because the last thing you want to be doing is if you're on soft tyres and you're 10 seconds ahead and then you have to pit early and suddenly you're in fifth and you have to try and fight by people yeah you have newer tyres but you know still advantage to go first and second place so you don't want that to happen um, you really don't want that to happen you want to be pitting at the same time and keeping your place at least in the worst case scenario so I'd say yeah I, I'd say the front runners are going to be on medium tyres and uh, soft tyres maybe after that I can't see it happening in any other way to be honest with you um, it, it, it's all you can really do you know and I, I think Max with his highs on at the moment I, I, I think at this stage you could put him on them. Um, you could put him on Morris Minor tires. <laughs> you know, he really does. He's really very excited about this. He says he's actually got a, a helmet design, which is uh, uh, basically a tribute to his dad, who is the great Yasser Stappen. Um, so that will be. That will be absolutely brilliant, I think, um, when he does that. It's going to be a real kick, you know, for his father, and, and it's a nice nod because, of course, when. When Max came out into Formula One, you know, when, when he when, almost when he was born, um, his dad basically steered him towards you're going to be a world champion. End of story. And I, I think it's the reason why Max is as good as he is because the focus of Max Verstappen and you know to have his father helping him the whole time, I, I think. I think that's great for him, you know, and, and with his home crowd now too. Yeah, he's going to win. <laughs> he is. Uh, the only way he won't win if, if is is if someone decides to to take him off the track, you know. Um, we'll wait and see, but really, it would be a massive U-turn um, for Red Bull not to win this and not to come out trumps, as to say, you know. Um, it'll be good fun. Uh, just as a a little aside on this too, as we know, there's a. A bit going on in the driver's market at the minute, and the top, topic certainly hasn't gone away for Oscar Piastri. Um, you know, uh, he's gone to the FIA recognition board now because of his contract with uh, Alpine or McLaren, um, trying to find which is which. Uh, I think he's trying to get out of one and into the other. Um, I, I believe, you know, I believe he'd be better off than Alpine personally, but, you know, he's having a bit of rows. They're not particularly happy. And now, of course, the, the, the contract board aren't particularly happy either. So that's going to be, well, a bit of fun, I suppose, um, coming into that, you know. And, and there's a few other new names coming along, like Carlton Herta. There's a name you haven't heard in, in a while. He's actually an IndyCar racer. And um, I, I think he has his um, he has Zion AlphaTauri at the minute. Now, you were talking about, actually, you were talking about Audi recently. Um, and yes... Um, there's been a huge amount of focus on the driver's market during the Belgian Grand Prix weekend because Audi have confirmed they will be entering Formula 1 now officially in 2026. Sounds like an awful long time away, but it actually isn't. And they're already kind of angling to see who's who and who's what and who's the other. And, you know, you think, oh, well, it's only 2022. That's not going to affect anything, but it is. 
because you know if you're starting a contract and you'd like to drive for Audi and Audi have said we like you wink wink nudge nudge you're now going to want your contract to end in 2025 and if they say no we want you to 2026 well you might want that contract so it, it, it's all going to little, be a little bit silly <laughs> it's, all, it, it's all getting silly in general if you ask me but we won't go there you know yourself it's uh, yeah we're, we're not we're not controversial on this show not at all. I've been in news for the week there. Uh, um, I see uh, Mercedes uh, chief says that uh, Hamilton is determined to fight at Sandovas. Uh, after that, uh, believe it or not, they're, they're, they're saying it was a 45, 45G impact in Belgium. I, I think somebody's um, exaggerating a bit there. It wasn't as bad as that, definitely not. Uh, <laughs> you know, he ended up in the air a bit and all that, half the car up in the air, but it, it wasn't 45G. There'd be nothing of you left, <laughs> you know. But yeah. to determine the fight... Um, it's nice to be determined to fight. You're not getting past Max Verstappen, uh, no matter what you, well, no matter what you say. Uh, and um, as well, Gasly was a little bit critical about the team as well. Um, basically, saying that it was punchy pace. Really, uh, it was a good strategy, but you know he still did well. But. I think he was a little bit disappointed. He felt like he should have done a bit better. I don't know why. I think he had a great race. Um, but there you are. You know, it's um, it's the way it goes. Of course, you know, you've Alpine now as well. Taking on the fight for McLaren at the moment. And with, with Fernando Alonso announcing that he'd be walking out, um, it seems like there might have been a bit of an unhappy marriage there, uh, you know, and a bit of controversy. Uh, with the team, but no, the still uh, Fernando being the fighter he is, he ain't, he ain't stone down. <laughs> you know, he ain't stone down at all. He wants to just keep going to the end. Of the, he's he's not one to rest. You know, I'm going somewhere else. I'm I'm not doing anymore. You know, so it's no, that's not Fernando Alonso. You must be, you must be uh, crazy, really. You know. Oh, actually, you mentioned that we forgot there. Um, Pierre Gasly. Um, the Belgium Grand Prix was actually his 100th Grand Prix, um, which is a great achievement for, for Pierre. Fair play to you, Pierre. I'm holding up my imaginary uh, uh, glass of champagne and saying fair play to you. That's a, a bit of a great record rating, really, isn't it? 100 races, uh, you know, fair play. Just it's some effort. It, uh, it's a bit away from your record, though, yes. Uh, you know, you uh, do like up against well, I suppose, yeah, a couple of thousand races is quite a lot, you know, yourself. But, you know, you, you just can't help it. You, you can't exactly. <laughs> I mean, you can't go into F1 and not do IndyCar and uh, Formula E and Formula 2 and Formula Porsche. And you can't, you have to do all them at the same time, like, you know. You, you'd be busy, but it's interesting, you know. You get out of one car and drive another. <laughs> um, all right, yeah, Mick Schumacher just brushes off the Belgium Grand Prix there has been a bit painful. So um, the duo said they're going to do a bit better in Sandovot. We will see this weekend. Don't forget, everybody, it's on on Sunday. We'll practice on Saturday. Tune in. We'll talk to you next week. And for anyone that wants any more information on, on this Grand Prix or the latest news, they can go out, they can find it on Formula1.com. So, listen, thanks very much for taking the time out to do Formula 1 view with us, and we'll talk, we'll do it all again next week. All again next week, Aiden. Take care. No problem. Thanks very much. And that was Michael O'Grady, our, our Formula 1 expert. Hello, everyone, and you're very welcome to Peter Bracken's Rugby, rugby Club trip around Ireland. And to take us through... Uh, 
all his adventures so far we have Peter Bracken hello Peter how are you are you well very good Aidan that's great to, great to have you on board as well and let us know uh, telling us all about your adventures uh, yeah so it, it was a big undertaking you have uh, 240 or 250 clubs uh, junior clubs or clubs around Ireland to visit uh, a fair amount of mileage but you've a, a good car there can you tell the listeners a bit about the car that you were driving around in um, I suppose your driving experience of the car and the reception you got and you know how your visits to all the different clubs went and uh, you know what happened in each place because uh, it really is one it's nice to kind of sample and, and be able to actually try out a car uh, an e-car um, but also um, to see to see um I suppose to visit all the clubs maybe that you would have played for or played against and uh, meet coaches, meet players and things like that. Could you tell us a bit a bit about uh, about your trip so far? Yeah, I'm, I'm on a mission to drive to every club, every rugby club in Ireland. There's uh, 241, it turns out. So, um, yeah, nearly there, nearly there. So it, it all went uh, brilliantly uh, so far. So I've... I've Driving to every rugby club in a fully electric car. It's a Volkswagen ID4, uh, given to me by Frank Hogan Motors in Limerick, and they give me a charge card to go along with, with it any time I need to charge. And you know what? I've done over 7,000 kilometres in the last four weeks, and absolutely no issues charging zero issues charging and uh, that's a lot of miles to put up a lot of kilometres so um, it, it's just to prove that electric cars are perfect for Ireland like I've gone to I've been going yeah pretty much gone to every rugby club in Ireland so that means that I've covered a whole inch of the country all four provinces uh, both north and south and I've had no issues so there's no more I can do there's no more I can do to prove to a person that might be thinking about going electric and is a little bit afraid of the charging and they're not sure and they're worried about getting stuck and they've probably heard horror stories of people who don't know what they're talking about down the pub about cars getting stuck in the middle of nowhere it doesn't happen there's loads of chargers everywhere and most of the charging you're doing is from your home anyway that's 90 percent of the journeys you do so these cars, like the one I was driving, the Volkswagen ID4, can do. I was getting 400 kilometres out of each charge, so you can do an awful lot of driving there. There's very few people that drive 450 kilometres in any one go, and if you do, you just stop and charge, as you would a petrol or diesel car. Rather than filling it up with fossil fuel, you just charge it with electricity, and 40% of the electricity. Uh, that anyone is using right now at the moment it comes from renewable um, low carbon environmentally good sources and that is only going to get higher and higher. By 2030 80% of the electricity we will be using in Ireland will be coming from wind. It won't be coming from burning coil or important gas reliant on Russia and all this kind of stuff. So um, it, it can be only good and the car was brilliant um, and they're just Electric cars, they might be a little bit more expensive to buy, but you cover that cost that cost difference within 18 months of driving because electricity is still so much cheaper than petrol or diesel um, uh, to fuel a car. There's very little maintenance uh, on electric cars as well. So if you are thinking about it, you have the budget, and there's 100,000 new cars sold every year. And more and more of them are going to be electric. I think a quarter of the cars last last month were 
fully electric car. So it, it, that's the trend. People are going electric. And I would say, you know, just take one for a test drive. And everyone, everyone that I've ever talked to, as soon as they get into electric car, they're sold. They never go back because they're just better cars. They're just quicker, faster. It's, I was so much less fatigued. Even the mileage uh, I was doing, that's one thing I did find that I could get up the next morning and do 12 hours of driving and no bother because you're not shifting gears, you're not worried. These cars almost drive themselves. They, you know, they keep you in lane, there's loads of safety features and, you know, people say, ah, I like driving and I don't want a car driving. By God, you get, get used to it very quickly in a good way. You know, the, you get very used to just relaxing, uh, um, um, sitting back and almost letting the car drive itself. Now you have to keep control and the whole lot. But I did find that I, I had a lot more energy at the end of, uh, of a day's driving than I would have in a petrol or diesel car. So I had a great experience. I, I met loads of lovely people in rugby clubs around the country and it just goes to show for me how much effort and how much um, work goes on in clubs of all sports. It just happened to be rugby that I was going to but I know for a fact it happens in GAA and soccer and tennis and athletics and, and every sport you can imagine. The amount of volunteers time and effort that goes into running these clubs and keeping them afloat is, is, is huge and I wanted to highlight what rugby clubs are doing to save money and cut costs by going green, going more environmentally friendly and there's an awful lot of clubs uh, doing an awful lot um, there was one particular club, um, Crosshaven Rugby Club in County Cork and they have two small solar panels on the roof of their changing rooms and inside they have two big water tanks uh, thermal storage heaters that that um, the solar panels heat the water in the tanks. The tanks keep warm for 24, 48 hours, and they power the showers. They haven't had to use electricity from the grid to, uh, for showers in about you know since before COVID. They've been installed about four years now, and and it it just cuts massive costs on um, uh, uh, on showers, and mm. you know. In any rugby, in any club, in any sport, you're usually to showers all the time, every evening. You know, there's always teams training, uh, matches, the whole lot, and it's a big expense. That's one thing a club can do immediately. And the other thing they can do, and most clubs, um, I found about half the rugby clubs in Ireland have changed their lights from normal floodlights to LED lights, and every one of them says that it's saved them an absolute fortune. So if there's a club thinking about doing it, Go ahead and do it. It'll 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 work out great uh, uh, straight away. Um, so they were two major things. There's other things clubs can do. There's um, you know pellet boilers and stuff like that. If they've a, instead of a fossil fuel kind of uh, uh, heater, there's geothermals, there's air to water heating, and all sorts of different things. But all of them, they all of them could, uh, save money and yeah. they help the environment as well. So. It, it was a great trip, all in all, um, and I'm I'm sad to be nearly finished. So, what, what clubs have you got left to, to go to now at this stage? Yeah, you have them all done now, but uh, what, what are the ones you've left to do? Um, uh, I, I have a couple of more now uh, down in Cork and, uh, and and in Limerick, but I don't want to say it because no uh, there's yeah, a bit fine. of a 
shindig at, at, at the last one. All so right, they're retreating quite at the moment, eh? No problem, <laughs> that, that's, that's fine. Now, one of the clubs there that's, uh, that, that's, that you went to, and I was with you that, that day, was uh, Craig's Rugby Club. Yourself and myself went out there. Obviously, I experienced uh, travelling in, in, in your car with you there. Like you said, very comfortable and all that. Um, but what people might know, might know is, yeah, you have uh, you have roots in Craig's, and uh, you know, I think you have you have family from Craig's from Craig's originally, and uh, I suppose that's probably where you got the the rugby bug as well. But uh, yeah, it was very impressive to see uh, the work, and uh, we were discussing it ourselves as well. The great work that that's going on. Obviously, yourself and myself spoke to Kieran Dowd on the day as well, and uh, he, funny enough as well, he had the, the exact same car as you, just exact, just uh, maybe a different colour, and uh, we, t- we took some uh, great photos and, and videos and things like that. And um, one or two of the photos you you have uh, you took as well were in the local paper there, or Scammon Herd. Uh, so it, it's all good, but uh, tell me about your experience there. You, you were also advising Kieran, and uh, maybe he was saying about like what they're doing because they're doing great work there as regards improving the facilities. Obviously, five pitches, building a, a having a big building there with uh, you know women's dressrooms, men's dressrooms, showers, and a gym upstairs. The whole lot. It takes a lot of financing, but you were you were kind of giving him a bit of advice and maybe things that he could do because there was a few worries he had. Yeah, yeah, there was, and uh, oh, I had a great time there, all of us do, and as I said, my mother's a Craig's woman, so, you know, great connection there, and, and for years, my, my father played for the club as well, uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's mighty, um, and and as I said, I had a great uh, conversation with Kieran, and, you know, there's the there's stuff we can do, and there's done massive amount of work, my God, uh, you know, the fundraising and everything, and, the, and again, the volunteer hours and commitment that has go- gone into the club, um, you know, in the last six or seven years has just been phenomenal. The, the best facilities of any club. I've been to every club in Ireland, and that, you know, the facilities Craig's have is uh, the best I've seen. You know, that, that pitch that they have is, is world-class, that Astro pitch, you know, and they've developed... Um, three or four other pitches as well and now they're uh, developing the whole new uh, pavilion there you know um, yeah. the dressing rooms the showers and all the rest and I did mention to Kieran that there are, there are ways that solar can heat showers and whatever and I suppose uh, Kieran's concern was well the solar panels they can't heat them instantly so they're no good because you need you know, hot water instantly for showers, but um, uh, on I think it was the upfront like, having to pay the fees up front as well. Which, but, but you were saying that there might be ways of where yeah. you know they can get it done now, maybe paying installments or you know, get grants mm-hmm. and then paying installments so much a month or so much a year or something like do do it that way. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I was delighted to see Crosshaven Rugby Club doing exactly what I, I was talking about. So just uh, Craig's would be a bigger club, so just do it at a little bigger scale. So it, it can happen. So I might get back to Craig's anyway on that one. You yeah. know, save them a few, Bob, uh, that yeah. way. But as you said, there's um, there are companies now, there are crowds that will install install the likes of solar and uh, LED lights and... Um, um, air to water storage and all this kind of stuff up front that it doesn't cost the club um, anything amount, up yeah. front. They're not going in 
looking for loans and different things like that because you know there's so much expense running a club anyway now yeah. and uh, but clubs aren't looking for anything for free look they, they, they will get grants all of these things that's the other thing I found out there's grants for all of this stuff it just needs someone to fill up the forms and the forms for grants and all that anyone that's done it they're an absolute uh, <laughs> cost of a job really yeah. they do take so much time and whatever so anyone that does that they're worth their weight in gold so you know you, you get the grants and then whatever's remaining there is um, you know they'll install the solar or whatever it is up front no cost to the club then the club pay back so the, their electricity uh, reduces so they're saving a few bob and from some of that savings they can uh, gradually over time pay back for the installer, for the actual solar panel so it's kind of another way of saying a higher purchase kind of ag- agreement you get the stuff you start paying back and as soon as you fully finish the, the, the solar panels or whatever they are are yours so mm. you know you might might take five to ten years to pay back for the panels all of a sudden then you free solar you free energy from the sun for another 20 years after that because these solar panels nowadays they're they're an awful lot cheaper than they used to be you can get an awful lot of solar uh, power um, relatively uh, cheaply and these solar panels will, uh, will be lasting 30 or 40 years nowadays so you know um, they're long term they're long both short like there's short term gains financially straight away and then there's the long term thing and that's not taken into account the environmental um, positive impact of, of doing that kind of stuff because, mm. you know, especially the younger generations and that, they want to see clubs doing their best for the environment. They want to see clubs with, you know, biodiversity verges and different things around the, uh, the club to help the pollinators, the birds and the bees and all that kind of crack. They don't want to see grass being absolutely mowed to an inch of its life ten times mm. a year. You know, they like, you know, people nowadays understand biodiversity, they understand having hedges and, and shrubs and a bit of wildness um, around the place is good for all of that and and there's not a lot of clubs doing that and Craig's have a lovely verge going around as well, around their walk track around the place as well so yeah, it's all, it's Pajini it's all coming together in Craig's anyway that's for sure and they're, they're definitely one for other clubs to um, to look up to that's it, and uh, just just going back to um, to maybe last year, uh, yourself and myself started doing interviews about this, uh, probably going back to last year, uh, where, where you did a, a trip around Ireland. Now it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been a, a trip that would have been ex- as extensive as this, but it was kind of a, a, I suppose a training for the for this year. I mean, I think it was like last July, June or July, and um, you know we were, we were kind of saying like with my friend down in Tipperary. Um, you know, it was a whistle type. <laughs> it was a whistle stop yeah. tour uh, you were doing last year. You had no kind of time. It was just spend one or two minutes in each one and go around. But um, you know, it, it was one of those things that you you know um, we were saying about you know the availability of the charging points. Uh, you know, for example, in Thurles, like where, where my friend was, uh, we were looking around because uh, you know you were coming to Thurles or whatever, or passing through Thurles. And was very few in Thurles. And kind of when you look overall, you know, it was hard enough. There there were very few and far between. But we we were speaking in previous then coming to this year. um, I was talking to you off air and we were saying that... uh, there's a, an awful lot more, uh, a lot, an awful lot more on stream now throughout the country now at this stage. So that's great to see. It just goes to show, I suppose, how towns and cities are are kind of really buying into this uh, when when you consider that there's more, that there is more charging points in, in towns now. 
Oh, there is. There is more. There is more. Um, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Like, I've done 7,500 kilometres and I've had no issues charging. I haven't had to wait for ones. They've all been working. Uh, it's gone just easy. No problems at all. And you know what? It has. Well, I've been driving electric now four or five years, and the progression has been nice and steady. It wasn't great. It wasn't great maybe four years ago, and there still would be bad stories about that. So, but my experience nowadays, it's so, so much better. You don't have to be worried. You will get the charging. You're going to be charging from home 95% of the time anyway. And a few odd occasions, um, the fast chargers, they're out there, you know, and they're everywhere. And there is, I, I actually did. Um, it's funny you mentioned Thurlis, because as far as I know, uh, they were one of the stops that I actually did charge in, or maybe down the road in Clonmel or somewhere like that. You know, there are a small few spots, like between... Belfast and Newry, um, it's not great, uh, but there's two projects going on. There's the Faster project and there's Weave. Um, uh, Weave are, de- are basically they're um, installing 1,500 chargers um, on the borders, around the borders of Northern Ireland and Ireland, and then on the border of Scotland and England. And uh, so, you know, that journey from Belfast to kind of Newry and Loud. Um, just to be some amount of charges on that fairly fairly soon in the next year or two, you know. So all these little gaps are being being filled. So yeah, the the charging is there. That's been my experience. Look, you will, you know, you'll hear a story from a lad down the pub that has never driven an electric car about some lad that got stuck somewhere sometime, and the story's probably going back ten years, you know. But they're mm. still telling it, and and that day is gone, you know. Um, we still need to be putting more chargers out there like there's a it is adequate at the moment i've had no problem i've I've proven that but you can't put your finger off the gas of the government either like they have to keep putting these installing them out there so that they keep up with the pace of electric car conversion because there's more and more people um buying electric like 20 i think it was um is over 25% of cars bought last month were fully electric cars or electric cars in some way so mm. that's that's huge that's 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 massive and it's only going one way like within two years half the cars sold are going to be electric and then within five years 75% and then all of a sudden 100% so you know people people slag off the government about oh just to get a million uh cars uh, on uh, electric cars on the road by 2030 do you know what I predict it won't be far off. They yeah, won't be far off. Be people will laugh at me saying that, you know. But um, if you under, like, it's just beginning. The tipping point is there. Um, it's going to take off now in the next couple of years. Now they might make a million cars, but if they make six hundred thousand cars uh, electric on the road, that makes a huge. That would be great success. Um, mm. And it, it, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. So. You know, there's massive grants out there now at the moment. If you're a taxi driver, you get €20,000 grant uh, to buy an electric car. You don't get that for a petrol or diesel car. You know, no, um, there's for a normal person, there's 5000 of a grant or €600 towards um, um, electric charger. The, the cars are that bit more expensive to buy, but if you take into account the, the grants you get, if you're self-employed, there's zero benefit in kind if you're an employer anyone that has a fleet of cars a business person it's almost suicidal to be not going electric now because the amount of money you can save uh, for your business by going electric is massive i've done seven thousand kilometers in an electric car in four weeks if you're telling me that you have 
salespeople doing much more than that, well then I think you're flogging them to death. They're, yeah, they're not. Yeah. So if, if if I can do that trip, your salespeople, no matter what mileage they're doing, uh, can go electric and be very happy doing it. So um, we say if people want to follow your journey so far and uh, the journey that, that that you have yet to go, how can they, how can they uh, track your progress or uh, follow your adventures, shall we say? Yeah, I'm on the, all the social medias. Um, my biggest platform would be LinkedIn, and I'm just under my name, Peter Bracken, <coughs> and the same with, with Facebook. But on the Facebook, I'm also under Peter Tries, so Peter T-R-Y-S. So I try different things, and it's spelled try as in the rugby try, <laughs> because That's we used to play rugby. So, you know, and I'm on the, the Twitter and the Instagram as well, uh, um, under Peter Tries. That's great. Listen, thanks very much for taking the time out to do the interviews, and we'll talk to you again soon. That's my idea. No problem. Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks very much. And that was Peter Bracken, former former, uh, Ireland uh, Munster and uh, WAS player. Hello and you're very welcome back to Friday Sport with myself Aidan Raftery and the show is always kindly sponsored by Best Drive here in Roscommon Town and we'd like to thank them for their kind support and uh, yeah so we have um, we we have um, Lovers still is still with us here uh, we're coming up to the end of the show but uh, we, we, myself and uh, Lovers are going to ha- have a chat for the next five five minutes and uh, yeah, so you're, you're, what are you thinking of the show so far, lovers? Oh, the show is perfect, Aiden. It's uh, refreshing. It's really good. Uh, t- capturing all sorts of issues, cars, football. Uh, Yourself? Yeah. <laughs> Your show. Myself, <laughs> but, uh, uh, and uh, we'd like to we'd like to send a, a big hello back to your your friends over in uh, over in Zimbabwe as well, okay, who are you were family, saying are tuned in Mary, as well. So Mary, my my kids, uh, Shalom, Nicole, and Maclean. Uh, they were also listening, so shout out to you guys. Really Thanks very much for tuning in, and we hope you'll be you'll be regular listeners. You're you're always welcome. So, yeah, we were talking about uh, Premier League chat there earlier on, and myself and Martin yeah, and a friend of mine, Noel from uh, from uh, from uh, Tarlis has been given. We've been given our predictions, but now I think it's it's adequate that we give you your t- your chance. We'd like to listen to your uh, your predictions. So, what are your predictions for the weekend? Okay, so Everton against Liverpool. I tip Liverpool. Come on. Uh, Bradford Leeds. I tip Leeds. Chelsea West Ham. I tip Chelsea. Newcastle uh, and Crystal Palace there. Oh, it's a draw. Nottingham, Bournemouth. I tip Nottingham Forest. Spurs Fulham. Spurs. Uh, Wolves Southampton. I tip Wolves to win. Aston Villa, Man City. Obvious, Man City. <laughs> <laughs> then on Sunday we have Brighton and Laces. Leicester, Leicester will win that one. Manchester United and Arsenal. Oh, it's a close one, isn't it? That that's one. a close one. That's that's <laughs> that's an epic one. I tip Man U. That's interesting. Yeah. So, uh, what are your thoughts on those particular games? Any an, any kind of thoughts on any particular games? Or, you know, the, I mean, they're, they're they're probably along the same lines as what myself and Martin and and that uh, that did. But uh, what are your thoughts on some of the like transfers and well, things like the that? Transfers that we have been hearing a lot of rumors and stuff like that. But uh, the transfer window ended yesterday. And, uh, you know, the truth of the matter is now on the ground to know who is uh, playing for who and uh, who is not playing for who. But uh, 
Well, it's quite interesting, especially the Obama Young was really a shocker for me. Yeah. I thought uh, you would stabilize there since he had just gone uh, to be with Barcelona, but uh, he's back now in England uh, playing for Chelsea. But he, he, was play, he was playing very well for Barcelona, but I, I think it was like when you consider how important he was to Arsenal... It was nearly a crime to let him go. Yeah, probably they didn't give him uh, game time. Uh, probably mm. that was his like cry, you know. He needs to play. The lad mm. wants to play the match. He wants the ball. So if you don't give s- some of these players who, who are very exceptional time to play, then they become disgruntled. But I, I think, you know, when you look at how Arsenal were performing in the last couple of seasons, and next thing... A club like Barcelona oh, come looking yeah. for you. It's very, it's a very hard carrot to turn it's down tempting. now. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really tempting, yeah. It's <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, maybe, yeah, but I, I thought like he was playing very well for 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 Barcelona. So yeah. uh, you know, is I this mean, a no? Barcelona is a big team. They tend to get all sorts of players too, and there's a lot of competition there mm-hmm. because they want to maintain the name. You know, so they'll have different players coming from all walks of life. So mm. I think it was really t- stiff for him. Uh, that's why he opted out, I'm sure. And I, I think as well, you, you know, when you're at a club like Barcelona or um, Real Madrid, you know, they sign you for an astronomical fee and then you have to justify that uh, yeah, that justify fee. That. And, that's, like, yeah. while, you're playing, while you're playing brilliantly, yeah. that you know, you, you'll be in the side. But even if you have just one bad yeah. game... You know, you're gone. You're gone, gone for the next. You know, like whereas in in, a le- in another team, yeah. you'd probably be in there. Like, yeah. yeah. The higher the fee, the transfer fee on you, mm. the pressure on your shoulders, the burden on your shoulders, the pressure behind you. So sometimes you don't play the game. Mm. You play to please the masters. Yeah. And that's really a tug of war there. So sometimes. But it's also a case of you know, so, sometimes a player can be bought over a manager's head. Like yeah. a player might necessarily want that, a manager mightn't want that player, but the player, the the board would buy a player over That's over right. his head, That's right. and uh, you know you have to play that player or whatever because of the money money involved, That's right. and um, That's right. you know it, it's kind of it, that, mm. that's kind of unfair. But it, look, yeah. that's uh, that's yeah. that's the way it is. That it's all it about is. money, isn't it? It is the way it is. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Why it is what it sometimes. <laughs> you know, money issues they come into play. That's it, yeah. and uh, but and uh, you have to justify your your price tag, I that's suppose. Right. Um, but listen, thanks very much, lovers, for for coming in, and hopefully you, you'll come in again soon. Again, uh, you're you're always welcome in any any Friday. So oh, thanks very much you. to everyone for listening, and uh, we, we, thanks very much for uh, to, to lovers for coming in, and uh, best of luck with your show as well. And uh, thanks very much to uh, to your family and your friends over in Zimbabwe for tuning in, and we hope they'll uh, continue to tune in. Thanks for listening.